Hello, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Welcome to All Things Cozy with Matt. And Jillian. We are a bi-weekly podcast about everything that is warm, soft, and comforting. And today, we are joined by Dave White, mm-hmm. a film critic and host of Linoleum Knife, a podcast of the cinema, uh, which he co-hosts with his husband, Alonzo Duraldi. Um, and most importantly, they have a spin-off podcast called Linoleum Knife and Fork, which you should subscribe to on their Patreon page. And they talk about cooking. And so he is an ideal guest today as we mm-hmm. discuss maybe the coziest TV show. It was our coziest TV show of 2017. Oh, yeah, the coziest. The Great British Bake Off or mm-hmm. the Great British Baking Show if you're American, which we almost all are. <laughs> um, and yeah, so welcome to the show, Dave. Welcome. Thank you uh, for having me. I am so incredibly excited to be here. <laughs> I know it, it may not sound that way in my voice, but I've been listening to you guys since practically the beginning. Alonzo turned me on to it, and and it's so in keeping with the way I wish to conduct my life <laughs> that, that the more I've listened over the year, I've just been thinking, I need to be a guest. And you, you absolutely needed to when... And then Alonzo was a guest. And I yeah. Was like, now I really need to be a guest. When Alonzo <laughs> was our guest for um, Christmas, you you came with and you brought muffins. Yeah. And, yes. and that's when I knew for sure you you definitely need to be the guest for the baking show. They were so good. I don't good. go anywhere yeah. empty-handed. And he came today with cupcakes, so delicious. which were delicious. So Very delicious. Just know that when Dave is talking about baking, he, he's speaking from experience and he's a very yes. good baker. You have your I'm own a, show. I'm a... I'm a half-assed failure baker. <laughs> I think you're selling yourself short. I, no, 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 I'm not, because you're not in my kitchen to see <laughs> the, the many mistakes and errors and, and things that don't make it out of the apartment to be served to friends. <laughs> so we're going to get into talking about the Great British Bake Off, but those those folks on that show have, like, I I they run circles around me. No, it's amazing yeah. how difficult baking is. I, yeah. I I baked one batch of cookies over the holiday, and I was exhausted just just from that one. I think I mean it was it was a lot of cookies, but they were not very beautifully formed or anything. I didn't put that much effort into oh. it, but well. they nevertheless like it's, there's so much mixing and cleaning. For me, and, it's the timing. Yeah. I can't keep. I mean, I think like when you have any attention issues, I, I just forget something's in the oven or or I get frustrated if I don't have an ingredient and I'll just throw whatever in there and it's a oh, free-for-all. So it's just a yeah. free-for-all of craziness. You can't just throw whatever in there when you're baking. No, it's clearly not. Like, not. No, yeah, that's <laughs> it, like rule number one. It yeah. ain't like cooking where you can just, oh, I don't have this. Maybe I'll put exactly. this other thing in here. You don't. Like Alonzo made something a, a week ago. And he ran out of one thing, and he substituted another, and I thought, this might not work. Mm-hmm. And I was holding my breath, and it did turn out all right. Um, but I was concerned. It was brownies? It was brownies, yeah. It, well, it's like... He's sitting right here, but he's going to be silent yeah. the way that <laughs> I was yeah, silent same spot. when he was here for the Christmas uh, movies. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But I was interested to learn, I'm sure we'll talk about it more, that, um, that sound can affect... The rise of a cake? What? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess it depends on where you live. We live in a creaky old apartment with creaky wooden floors. And 
what the what the Betty Crocker Duncan Hines boxed cake mixes have taught us is that it's going to rise, it's going to rise, it's going to rise. Like I was saying to Jillian earlier, Daft Punk could be playing in your house <laughs> and the box cake would rise. But you jostle anything too much around a scratch cake mm-hmm. and that is going to disappoint you and fall down. Wow. Yeah. It'll sink. Just from the vibration. It'll sink right in the middle. Wow. And it's, then it's you'll wild. have a goopy middle. And, and then you'll cut around it, lift it out, Pour milk over it and eat it anyway, but <laughs> it's not going to be beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the cupcakes I brought today, if we're going to be honest about them, they taste good, but the frosting is thick and weird and it, they're not beautiful. They're just, they're very homey looking. They, I like yeah, homey. It yeah, fits homie. with the theme. Yeah. Homey's beautiful to it's me. Cozy. Yeah. 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 I mean, the cookies I made over the holiday were, I mean, I think probably they'd be categorized as an ugly cookie, but right. they are extremely delicious because they're so, like kind of salty, and that's what I mm, like in my sweet. Yes. I, I prefer yep. those kinds of baked goods, you yeah. know, with all. It's nice to, I guess, look at. Sometimes the prettiest stuff is doesn't taste very good. Yeah. Correct. And then there's a, then there's a kind of baking. I made, a, I made a date cake over Christmas, and it's from a Nigella Lawson cookbook. She calls it the Christmas cake, but it's, Primarily dates and other fruits. If you were, if you were going to be honest about it, you would say it's a fruit cake. But the word fruit cake bothers people so much, and they have so many negative associations with it, and so many negative taste associations with it, that if I were to call this a, a fruit cake, no one would want to eat it. Mm. It's delicious. It's full of dates and uh, dried cherries and currants and things like that, uh, and it's topped with orange marmalade. It is the brownest, ugliest cake, and it's by design. Like yeah. it's gonna look like that, um, but it's astoundingly delicious. And so sometimes things are just gonna be ugly, 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 no matter how you do it. Mm-hmm. And gotta end a discrimination against fruit to, cakes. Yeah, yeah. I've never understood the fruit cake hate because I expected the first time I had one because I, I stayed away from them because of cartoons. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I feel like in like especially like Looney Tunes or Disney or anything like. Uh, Bugs Bunny would like bite into a fruitcake and his teeth would shatter Correct. or something. I and had someone reject this date cake that I made uh, a couple weeks ago when I first made it. You brought it over to someone's no, house? No, no. This friend came over to the house and I said, do you want a piece of this? And she said, no, no, I might hurt my teeth. And I'm like, it's very soft. Right. <laughs> like it's dates. I took the pits out of the dates. The cake, it's not a rock hard cake. It's a soft. That's really strange. Chewy, delicious, delicious moist cake. But people have this idea, you know, you're going to your jaw's going to fall out. I, I don't get yeah. it because then I had one and I was like this is tasty and soft. I don't how what were people doing in the 50s? Were they, <laughs> were they pouring concrete in these cakes? That they got a reputation for being right. hard. I don't. Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. Maybe maybe one of our listeners can fill us in on the the maligned history yeah. of the fruitcake, but justice for fruitcake, I think. <laughs> um, so we're gonna dive even deeper into baking. That's just a taste of the discussion we're nice gonna get pun. into. Hmm? Just a taste. Oh, I see. I I, I produce puns <laughs> without even realizing it. That's how good I am at puns. Before we do that, though, we're gonna start with our normal. Stuff. <laughs> and um, starting with what is making us feel cozy this week. The curring pat- cat sound is back. Alonzo can't hear it right now, but he will eventually, and he'll hate it. 
Um, <laughs> so <laughs> making us feel cozy this week, I'll start. So I went home for the holidays, and the, the home the home for the holidays for me is uh, in Chicagoland. So being a Chicagoan, uh, we were always uh, sort of born and bred to appreciate the Smashing Pumpkins because any hometown hero in Chicago <laughs> is lauded. <laughs> and I really, I mean, I love the Smashing Pumpkins. I, I love that band. Um, and so I've seen Billy Corgan perform uh, in numerous times and for things that people don't know about anymore because no one's tracking Billy Corgan anymore except right. for maybe some of the crazy stuff Unless he's at he in InfoWars. Disneyland and has a grumpy face. Oh, yeah, Disneyland yeah. and grumpy face. Or he's on his, he, he owns like a wrestling team now. And so he, really? he does. He loves wrestling. <laughs> that's, um, that's cool. But anyway, so I had to, like, I, he's, he has a tea shop. He owns a tea shop in Highland Park, Illinois. And it's been, a, it's existed for two or three years at least. And I've been meaning to go. Mm-hmm. And so finally, I made the pilgrimage to Madame Zuzu's tea shop right. um, in Highland Park. And it was really good. Like, it was very high quality tea. What I I had a like, I forget I, I forget what I had. It was like a chocolate tea, hmm. um, and something else. But I'm always really impressed when you can pull off a chocolate flavor in a tea because I think that's kind of difficult to do. It, mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like it would be. Yeah. yeah, and I've had like aromatic teas that have like a chocolate smell, but to get even a, a faint taste, I feel like is difficult with a tea, and they accomplished it. The, and the atmosphere in the in the cafe is really relaxed. There are board games everywhere. Um, plenty of tables and space. Like, was not too crowded. Right. Um, people were working. There were families hanging out. Like, you wouldn't expect it from the front man of the Smashing Pumpkins to produce such a wonderful family-oriented tea <laughs> shop. But that is exactly what That's he's done. really nice. The other thing that's funny to me about that tea shop is the decor is, like, he's sort of, like, obsessed with, like, that kind of... Um, it's, it's It verges on, like orientalism like fetish fetishization that kind right. of like i'm gonna put buddhas everywhere i'm right. gonna put like do you know what i mean like like yeah, the yeah. a lot of like uh old chinese art thing going on and stuff that and the colors are like these like deep reds and like dark blacks and i think what's so funny to me is that like his youthful gothy aesthetic is now like <laughs> in a tea shop for families, and I feel and, and I've also follow. I love garbage, and so I follow Shirley Manson on on uh, Instagram and Twitter, and she's always posting her stuff. And you know, she likes the hot pinks and black mm-hmm. combo and all those colors. And th- those were like visually like confrontational back when she was young, but now it's like all in these hot topics. And there's just the way that right. like that aesthetic is now cozy. Yeah, and I think that's so funny that like that punk aesthetic is. <laughs> Now that everyone's kind of settled into middle age, like a, an acceptable aesthetic for a tea shop. And I, I really like that. He also sells like a bunch of merch there. Mm. Um, you could buy tour, sh- like old Smashing Pumpkins tour t-shirts and... It's got it all. And most importantly, sage from his garden. Oh. So if you need to clean out the bad, you know, spirits <laughs> in your... super yeah, fans. If you, need, if you need to cleanse your uh, place right, of from living. his garden. Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know what assistant is tasked with did <laughs> procuring he, the sage. Did he harvest it himself? I doubt that. Does he bundle it himself? No, I'm sure I not. I need to know. I'm sure he tells them, like, I want to plant it there, and then they, they go and right. plant it. 
Um, and then they, they, I don't, I don't know. He rings a bell. He rings a yeah, bell. Exactly. Sure, probably, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe, yeah. I don't know. Maybe that makes him feel cozy and that is like hand delivered. <laughs> yeah. I should have, I should have gotten one, but they were like the one gripe I have about that tea shop is it's uh, overpriced. Well, yeah. And that, that was one issue and they justify it by saying like, well, it is very high quality tea. They're right. The tea was high quality mm-hmm. and you, and you have a lot of options, but. It's still like it not should be for like, your average Joe. Not kinda. for your average Joe, but yeah. for your diehard Smashing Pumpkins Billy Corgan fan who enjoys tea. Perfect spot. Perfect spot. Play games, like hang it, out. If you look at this point in history, anytime you have a boutique that sells one thing, mm-hmm. it's going to cost a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and people go into that place for the pleasure of being in that place. Yeah. So yeah. I think they. I think they think, well, okay, you know, this tea is fifteen dollars or whatever. But look where I am. Mm-hmm. I'm in a tea boutique. Yeah, it's a novelty. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. So that sense. that's my cozy location. I finally made it out. Um, if you're in the Chicago area, up there, recommend stopping over to Madame Zuzu's. Well, Madame Juju's. Juju's. Oh, Zuzu's. I said Madame Juju. <laughs> anyway, Jillian, enough of that. What is your cozy location? Um, this is going to actually be a very simple and easy location. Um, I just have come to appreciate my house because uh, this past week I was sick, so I spent the whole my whole location this past few weeks have been sitting in my house, and sometimes, as corny as it may be, the coziness is within. <laughs> So just ordering ramen and sitting on my couch was just so relaxing and much needed after the holidays. Absolutely. So they're so so stressful. Like I every time I think it's gonna be okay, it never is. It's always super stressful. Something happens. Um, some melee. Um, and this the traveling and getting sick. Melee. So, well <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I have a this <laughs> sounds a little it's a little dramatic, but Oh, I don't know. Just being in a really small space with my sisters and their, <laughs> and then their um, significant others, and all these like weird power dy- dynamics are just so crazy. I- I'm like on a futon that's not even really a futon, and the door doesn't really close. It's just like crazy. I, I just <laughs> I nothing need works. Break. I got sick, so I- uh. my closest location this past week has been my house. It's just. There's really Hang nothing out. better than your own home after a long Exactly. That's why it's been so cozy. Yeah. Just being on the couch, cozying up. You that's know where all everything I is. need. Yeah. Everything works. Watching mm-hmm. TV, not leave. I don't think I left the house for days straight. You have the food you want. Yeah. That's Absolutely. Now I don't I, I may have missed this in since you've been recording this show over the year, but uh have you devoted an episode to like the Entirely to uh, how a person makes their home. I the would know. Like, like that's a that. great topic. Yeah, because my girlfriend and I get in arguments about all the time what makes a home cozy. It is for me. Well, because you know we live in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. which is not a cozy city. No, Mm-mm. it's a sunny, warm. Everybody go outside. Uh, it's not a. It's not a city where people think about. I'm going to stay home and make my home very cozy. Right. No, it's true. You don't think about that. You tend to associate this word with northern climates, cold climates, that you can protect yourself from. Right. And that protection that you give yourself in your home 
is where that feeling comes from. Exactly. And so because Los Angeles is not a cozy city by definition, it it became very important to me when we moved here. We've lived here almost 19 years now. It became very important to me that to have an apartment that was welcoming and in, in, and and people felt comfortable there mm-hmm. and that you felt when you come to our home, you feel, I hope, taken care of. Mm-hmm. And that is how I associate that word with, you know, the kind of life that you can have in a city mm-hmm. where, you know, it's 72 degrees on Christmas Day. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, uh, I totally agree with you. The home, your house, your own place is, is, should be your favorite cozy location yeah. because of what you do to take care of yourself that mm-hmm. way. The other day, the week after Christmas, Alonzo did not get out of his pajamas or bathroom all day. He lied on the couch, laid on the couch, lied on the couch. I should know these things. I'm a writer. <laughs> he uh, was on the couch all day reading a book and he didn't move. And, you know, I made food in the kitchen and it was, we didn't talk really mm-hmm. to each other pretty much at all, all day. And, uh, that's a very comforting. Sounds yeah. like my perfect day. Right. You leave. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, I think like the incessant sun in LA, yeah. it's, it's oppressive. It's, 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 it's oppressive. It's my enemy. Because it's well. always, I, it's pushing it. you to like, there's no reason you shouldn't be outside right now. Like, why aren't you doing X, mm-hmm. Y, or Z outside? Right. But I, rarely want to be outside. And so anytime there's a remotely overcast day, I'm so happy. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm just like, I I need to stay in. Or when it it rains here, I'm extremely pleased. Well, get ready because we've got two or three days of it coming up. Well, yeah, last year actually. I'm obsessed with the weather, the National Weather Service website. (laughs) Hoping for a cloudy day. (laughs) Last year was particularly uh, cloudy and overcast in L.A., Love, like January, February. Mm-hmm. It was. It was a. It was a good season it was for cozy in LA. As we've had in years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm hoping for that again this year. I just love Fingers cozy crossed. days in LA. I don't know why I live here. <laughs> <laughs> I hate the sun, but I love. Um, the, I love the city. Me yeah, too. I just, I just, that's the, the weird. Sun. Oddly enough, what people love about the city the most, which is the weather, is the thing that I could yeah, like I leave. Hate, I don't that's really care. I hate the most. Yeah. I, Everything I, yeah. except the weather is. I know what I love about Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Anyway, don't get me started on LA. Yeah. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just go on and on and on about what I like about the city. Um, Dave, yes. I, I realized that I think I started this segment with what's making you feel cozy, but then I went into my cozy location. Listen, listeners, just, it. it's been a month since we recorded. Yeah. Um, I'm we're frazzled. We're, you know, we're frazzled, it's, but it's fine. It's we're, approximately the same thing. We, anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're, we, are, we are relearning how to do this podcast in 2018. Um, so let's, we we're doing locations. So Dave, what is your cozy location? My coziest location in life, not just this week, has been my cozy location my entire life. I want to be in a movie theater. I mean, that stands to reason. I'm a film critic. Mm -hmm. I want to be in a movie theater alone Mm -hmm. in the daytime, hiding from the world. When I was a little kid... My favorite place to be on the weekends was the local movie theater. Now, my family was very sportsy, but of course, I was the not sportsy kid. And I would beg my mother to drive me to the movie theater and just leave me there. 
Now, this was the early 70s because I'm 700 years old. And I this was a time when you could take a 7-year-old, 8-year-old kid and mm-hmm. just drop them at a movie theater and let them go. And so I would spend a Saturday or Sunday afternoon in the local movie theater watching, you know, the kid matinee. Like they would show special uh, movies that were aimed at children. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was always full, you know, of kids, obviously. When I got a little older and I was going to films on my own, I was going to see grown-up movies. You know, I was like 10 or 11. I'm, I get to go see PG movies now. Uh, Sometimes I would go to a matinee and I would be the only person in the theater. And it made me feel fantastic. It made me feel like I had this little cocoon that was built just for me, me and the movie, and no one was bothering me and, and no one was talking to me. And, and, and it was all for me. Mm-hmm. And so as an adult to this day, if I go to a movie theater for a matinee, and I happen to be alone in the theater, it's the best thing in the world. Yeah. It, it, it is like a secret fort that you have built, and nobody can touch you. And yeah, and it's also nice just to get to enjoy something in private and feel right. like you have the whole place to yourself. Right. Um, yeah, my favorite time to see a movie is the first showing of the day. Yeah. Like showing up and no one's there. Right. Um, I don't feel pressured to buy popcorn because nope. I often do if I go later. But then in the morning, it's kind of gross, and so I don't. And right. then uh, I, my favorite thing, though, is like getting breakfast and then going to the movies. And then you leave the theater, and your whole day is open to you still. It's yeah. like mm-hmm. I don't like that feeling when you leave a theater and it's dark. You went in the daylight, and now it's dark, and it's like, where yeah. did my life go? Especially on a Sunday, too. <laughs> yeah. like, like, oh. The Grove in Los Angeles, the Grove movie theater is not perfect, but they have early morning shows. And you can get breakfast at the farmer's market. You can go to Du Park and have a, have a real breakfast. Or what I really love to do is I go to Bob's Coffee and Donuts, which is also in the farmer's market, get a, a bag of two or three, perhaps, donuts, because why not? That's your whole breakfast. They'll let you bring it right into the movie theater. <laughs> Sit there and eat donuts and drink coffee while you're watching the movie. That's awesome. That's wonderful. I that didn't is know a that. tip. If you that, live in no, Los Angeles, real hot tip. Also, do this. Being alone in a movie theater is like the only way to make it a cozy anymore because because everyone th- else is a jerk. You know what? I've had to become I, the last two times I've gone to the movie theater, I've had to scold another audience member for having their phone out, and I am not a confrontational person. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little but, surprised. But especially when you go see a movie in Los Angeles and you're paying seventeen dollars for the privilege mm-hmm. of sitting at, at the ArcLight. What are you doing? You paid $20 for yeah, this exactly. movie. Put your phone away. There's a lack of self-awareness. How are, yeah. you guys with, uh, how are you guys with swearing on this podcast? Does it happen? We, we try not to. Okay. Well, I'm I can get, put a little a, a cat meow over your I'm going to lay one on you <laughs> because this happened to me. I'm, I'm good at confronting people in the movie theater. I don't enjoy it necessarily, but I get the job done. And so I went to see one uh, it was like last year. And it was at the Grove. And it was, uh, I can't remember what movie it was. But I was way in the back with a friend. And the phone person was way in the front. And they hadn't even turned their, uh, the brightness down. Mm-hmm. It was like a flashlight. And the movie starts and they're not turning it off. And the movie starts and they're not turning it off. And they're not turning it off. And they're not <laughs> turning it off. And I thought, I will kill them. <laughs> but instead, what I did was, I yelled, Turn off that goddamn phone now. 
and they obeyed. Oh, good. <laughs> and it was bliss. <laughs> Why would they even need the flashlight? Why don't? What were they doing? Uh, being a jerk. Yeah. Why do you, does anyone do these things? In yeah, movie I theaters? guess there's no because rhyme or reason because they do not have a sense of space that they occupy with other people. That's a good. They point. don't think that other people care or see them or matter enough mm-hmm. to be courteous. Right. Well, what happened to me at the last the last Jedi? I was super amped. Star Wars means a lot to me. I actually really don't enjoy the first time I see a Star Wars film now because I'm too excited and I don't <laughs> I don't feel like I actually watch the movie. I'm just like my heart's pumping out of my chest and right. I'm just like eh, the whole time. But next to me, I'm doing my best to try to like maintain focus through my adrenaline. And the person next to me keeps checking his phone. Like he'll turn it over like fully no, illuminated, no, no. check and he did that. He'll do it like t- three seconds later. He'll keep checking. Right. It's like, dude, you, the, the time didn't change. You didn't get a text message. Why do you keep checking your phone? And I think he was timing it for a certain scene because all of a sudden the scene starts. He brings his phone up and he starts recording he the scene. To record the scene, yeah. Uh, yeah. And at that point, I didn't yell because I, I have no ability to yell. Even, even when I'm overjoyed, your I can't. Teacher voice I can't. On. I know. Well, I. <laughs> <laughs> it's maybe like the, the worst gift receiver ever because I, even if I'm in, eternally, like internally mm-hmm. very excited about something, I still sound like, thank you way. so much. <laughs> like, I sound like I don't care, but I do. And so I turned to him and I was, I, was, I was just like, could you please put your phone away? And he did. And that was that. But it's like, then the whole time I'm feeling that after effect of having to be like, ugh, I had to confront mm-hmm. somebody. It, it makes me anxious. I'm still thinking about yeah, the, make me the conflict. I couldn't do it. And so no remorse, no please. <laughs> they don't get a please. They do not get a please. They get a command. And they obey you, apparently. No remorse, no anxiety, no worry. Command them. Well, I get anxious and when my I know it's not cozy to <laughs> command people. But well, it's not cozy to ruin people's movie theater experience. Also that. Yeah. Correct. Oh, I'll say right. I get anxious when my like I'll go to some of the, to the movies and they'll be talking to me or whispering in my ear and I get so anxious. I'm not, I'm trying not to respond to them and trying to ignore them because I don't want to be associated with the, with the, the no, with the noise, with the talker. Right. It's like, you can't talk to me. It, it makes me so uncomfortable. So to okay. my friends out there, do not <laughs> whisper I have to, to tell me. a story now about <laughs> the time I took my grandma um, who had dementia to see Sweeney Todd. And I don't know why we chose that movie. I think we wanted to see it. And we're like, let's take grandma. <laughs> let's, get her, let's, get, let's get her out of the nursing home. And so we take grandma to see <laughs> Sweeney Todd every time someone's throat got slit. Ah! <laughs> She'd scream. She was mortified. Grandma, this movie is about uh, singing. <laughs> A lot of slitting of the throat. Murder. And every time she'd like, exclaim something, I would go, shh, to my grandma. To try to get her to calm down. You're adding to the volume. And well, I wasn't adding to it. I was quietly trying to shush her. <laughs> okay. And we're leaving the theater, and I asked Grandma, "What do you think of it?" And she she turned to me and said, "I liked it, except for that a hole who kept shushing me." <laughs> Not realizing. <laughs> Thanks to her dementia, she didn't realize oh that was me. <laughs> Maybe it's her passive aggressive way of. I, w- I, I want to give her that credit, but at that time, I don't think... She was forgetting names actively. I don't think she knew what was going on. But and now, now we have to do what makes us cozy. So oh. we're, we're still oh. not to the baking show, but I'm going to oh. use my fireplace. 
I'll start with, um, I want to just add that I'm watching The Crown right now. Oh. It's a, another, yeah. right now my, my viewing reverse. habits are completely British. I'll watch the baking, uh, the Great British Bake Off, and then I'll follow it up with The Crown, and I'll go to bed. And The Crown is an incredibly cozy show. Historically cozy. Right. Mostly for the aesthetic and the acting oh, yeah. than the subject matter. And what I really like about the second season is how much they are, people are challenging the monarchy. And so that's really cool to see. But yeah, I mean, I really have nothing to add to that except mm-hmm. to say that The Crown is making me feel cozy, especially I really like Claire Foy. And there are moments where she is uncannily like the queen and you see glimpses of, you know, I, I mean, we've all seen footage of the older Queen Elizabeth doing her royal duties. And what strikes me as funny about her is that she's she's as skittish as the people she's greeting. Like, she is as uncomfortable with the interaction as the person who's like, I don't know how to act around the queen. And the queen is like, I don't know how to an- interact with other normal people. And so they're, everyone's... It's just mutually awkward. And there's a scene where she visits um, the uh, some car factory, and she's greeting all of the workers... And she she can barely make make eye contact. Oh, hello, hello, yeah, hello, hello. <laughs> thank you, hello, hi. Like she's just very awkward, and I loved it. And so that is making me feel cozy. Yeah, um, I've same for me a TV show. I love now watching reality TV shows from the beginning, the first season, and re- reliving the events. So I've been rewatching the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, which isn't necessarily a very cozy show, <laughs> but it's nice to kind of. Go back in time to a, a simpler uh, time when Kim Richards was on on the show, and mm-hmm. you know, just when you know what to expect, but you you're still surprised by events. Um, oh yeah, I remember when that happened, and get a chuckle out of it. So I like now going back and rewatching reality shows from the the, the beginning. And my girlfriend was never a fan of the Real Housewives, but now I got her into it, so it's kind of cozy for me. The you know, oh, I know what's coming and get excited for the scene to happen. So I've been enjoying that. <laughs> Very cozy. Yeah. Dave, do you have any other cozy uh, what thing that's happening in your life? Alonzo, aside from movie theaters? Alonzo gave me a book for Christmas uh, by uh, Ruth Reichel. She is the former uh, editor of Gourmet Magazine. A gourmet Magazine got shut down by Condé Nast a few years ago. And she sort of, you know, it sort of traumatized her because she'd been a food writer, you know, uh, and an editor for decades. So she wrote a book called My Kitchen Year, where uh, it's part cookbook and part memoir. So each memoir entry is followed by a recipe. And the, the subtitle of the book is 136 Recipes That Saved My Life. Mm-hmm. Now, the great thing about this memoir is that she still lives in Manhattan in a nice apartment and has a country house in upstate New York. And so Who doesn't? You don't feel very scared for her. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're not worried that she's going to wind up homeless. But, and, 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 and frankly, uh, the, the locations that she's writing about make you think like, okay, well, she's having a bad time, but she's still safe. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, oh, look, and here's a recipe for chicken fricassee. And I didn't know really what a fricassee was, but now I do, and now I want to make it. So I've been reading that book, and I'm about to start 
sort of doing the recipes in the book as well. Because well, in addition to baking, what we'll be talking about today, I'm always, I'm the cook in the house. I cook dinner, yeah, you know, five nights a week at least. And, you know, if we're not eating out or whatever, when we don't often eat out, I'm, I'm always, you know, making something. Um, but it's a lovely book. She's a cool writer. Uh, and she expresses her grief about a job loss and, you know, the upheaval at however old she was in her mid to late fifties with a very warm writing style. And, uh, reading the book made me go to her Twitter account, (laughs) which is a very poetic sort of Twitter account. Like the way she writes about things on Twitter will be like, son, a glorious cup of tea you know mm-hmm. and so it has inspired parody twitter accounts yeah. i don't know if she knows about this or not but they're very funny and um but i recommend this book uh my kitchen year that sounds amazing also it's hard to make a cozy twitter account so that's right that's, that's special true. in its that's own right. yeah no Twitter's she's, not going, a very she's cozy going place. for it though yeah i have muted and unfollowed my way to <laughs> try to make okay. twitter a like a place I can stand, I've still not succeeded. Um, but Twitter, Twitter is a cesspool. It is. It's really, yeah. I, and yeah. there's no getting around it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think like it's, it's, it really does just conform to the shape of the time. And it used to not be like this because the news wasn't like this. Right. And so now everyone's reacting to awful things. Right. And so the tweets are awful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So, all right. So I think we're ready. Yeah. Ready, set, bake. We're going to talk about the Great British Bake Off or Great British Baking Show, depending on where you're watching it. Um, For those of you who are unfamiliar with the program, the Great British Bake Off is a British reality show. It's a baking baking competition um, in which a group of amateur bakers compete over multiple episodes or multiple rounds even in an episode. So they start with... Each episode has like the same format. You start with like they all be- bake the same thing off of a theme. Like there's cake week, there's a patisserie week, there's cookie week or biscuit week. And then they do a technical, which is like the judges give them like a really incomplete recipe and they have to kind of figure it out from there. And then it all culminates into a showstopper um, where they have to bake something kind of more complex and it's all this it's 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 they can put their own spin on the showstopper it just has to be the same type of thing um they can either after each episode you win either star baker which Mm -hmm. means you won the episode um or you get eliminated and then the winner of the competition is i guess the the great british baker i don't i forget the title for it but they get a platter like they get like a cake um the cake stand yeah the cake stand um so it's had eight seasons yep. in the UK. It's what's really weird about the way that the show is delivered to American audiences is that it's incomplete. And so they feed us like whatever random season they want to. So like series one is like series four. <laughs> and, yeah. and I don't know that even the, the very first actual season of the show is even available for American audiences. I thought, or is, is, is it, is it wound it, up on Netflix? Is it? Because there are four seasons on Netflix. It's on Netflix, it's on PBS. I find it's I found an episode well. on YouTube. It's on Hulu, season, too. Season right. 8, and I Amazon. on YouTube. I think it's it's all over the place. You but can like, get it somewhere. Yeah, the, yeah. The, yeah. I think there are about four that are available in America. 
and they're all out of order. Right. So they don't match the the, the right. order of the British show. Um, but still, I mean, like, it won coziest TV show of 2017 at the Cozies co- yes, for a very good reason. It's an incredibly cozy show. I mean, like, I think, to me, what stands out about the show is that it's a... And, and why I think it's so popular for American audiences is it's a reality show, but it's humane and it's calm mm-hmm. and the people are kind to each other. Yeah. And the judges are kind to the contestants mm-hmm. and it's not, there's, it's all, it, everyone is mutual respect, camaraderie. No petty drama. It's all about baking and making friends and just, they're all amateur bakers. And so it's all like, I don't know. Everything's good. It's, it's a really relaxing show and there's no like drama that the producers are trying to stir up. It just is a very straightforward. Here's the competition. For me, it's the ambiance. I like oh, yeah. the. I just love that tent. At first I was confused <laughs> about it and I asked Matt, I'm like, why are they in a tent? I didn't get it. But I, I love the countryside and it's always overcast seemingly or mm-hmm. cloudy, oh, yeah. which, which is great. So <laughs> I just throw me in that tent. I want to be in that tent. I don't really care as much about the baking as I do just the setting and the location and just watching them run around in that tent. <laughs> also the judges. Um, Paul Hollywood's not particularly cozy, but Mary Berry is very cozy. Right. Cozy in a um, intimidating way. Like you, you want to please her. Right. That's another thing actually that I like is that the judges seem kind of like realistic and also easily pleased to a certain like they give credit words due. Yeah. And I've watched cooking competitions on like the Food Network where I feel like some of the judges are they they take pleasure in totally like just attacking the contestant. Right. And that never happens on this show. Never. No. You want you want Paul to shake your hand. Yeah, the Hollywood handshake. You want the Hollywood handshake. Mm-hmm. And you want Mary to tell you that it was delicious, mm-hmm. that it was a good bake. Otherwise, they're really not. I mean, they're going to tell you, they're going to tell you what's wrong with what you did if you did something terribly wrong. But they're going to express disappointment with you, and they understand how hard it is mm-hmm. to make something come out right. Mm-hmm. Because cooking is—I'm not going to say it's easy because you can screw that up too. But baking is harder than cooking and it's there's more opportunity for things to go wrong everything when i bake something i'm always a little bit concerned that it might fail Mm -hmm. but i don't worry about it too much because the process itself is relaxing and and not stressful for me it's what i do to feel good if the world outside is being terrible. But the show is really great at uh, encouraging the contestants Mm -hmm. and communicating the idea that this is fun, it's pleasurable, uh, it's a pleasurable activity. Even though we're in a competition, no one's yelling at you. There's a time element involved so you they're going to feel a little you know under the gun but no one's out to ruin you Mm -hmm. here um and even when they eliminate someone what mary says to them is i do hope you'll keep baking Mm -hmm. which is nice yeah Mm -hmm. that's very nice 
Yeah. So it's a lovely antidote to the kind of reality competitions that we have in the United States, and I guess they have in every other country as well. Yeah. Um, where, uh, what's his name? Gordon Ramsay is screaming his head off at you, or a judge is giving you a withering, you know. Uh, yeah, it's about the drama. You know, mm-hmm. Response. Ludo is telling you, you know, this is destroyed and you shouldn't, you shouldn't be here. Go, <laughs> you know, that's, that's no fun. I don't like watching reality food competitions. I don't like, uh, feeling that tension with them. I don't like to see people decimated for making right. a mistake. Most importantly for me, I don't like not knowing how they made the thing they just made. If I'm going to watch a food show, it's going to be, you know, Barefoot Contessa, and she's mm-hmm. going to show me mm-hmm. step by step how to do the thing. Yeah. And have a roast chicken for Jeffrey when he comes home. But that's, you know, that's not what the competition shows are about. The competition shows are about action and drama and rage and, you know, sabotage and all that kind of stuff. Great British Bake Off is not like that. And that's, it took me a while to get into it. Because I thought, no, 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 I don't watch. I don't watch food competition shows. They're all the same. Mm-hmm. And then this one turned out to be radically different in a way that, that appealed to the very thing that makes me hate the other ones. Mm-hmm. What seasons have you watched? What? I couldn't tell you. I, if it's on, <laughs> I'm watching seasons, it. Yeah. And I'll right. watch a whole season together in a row, but I couldn't tell you if it was season... Four, six, three, five, because as you just said, mm-hmm. they don't air them in order in this country. I have uh, an understanding that we're about to get the latest season on PBS. Right, which I think is without Mary Berry. Yes. yes Noel left. Fielding, and the new woman's name is, I've got it written down right here. Sue? Prue. Prue. Yeah. Uh, Noel Fielding and Sandy Tuxvig. Or the hosts. And I love Noel Fielding. And that's the reason I initially thought I would start watching. Mm-hmm. Because when I heard Mary Berry was leaving, I thought, well, I don't want to. And Mel and Sue, I'm a big, I love them too. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, if they're all not going to be there, then why am I going to watch? Yeah. But Noel Fielding, he's from the Mighty Boosh, and that's hilarious. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm ready to see his weird self be a host. I, I'm relieved to hear that because I really have no clue which seasons I've seen. Like I've, I, I, I know I saw the most the season four on Netflix, which is the one with Candace and Andrew and Benjamina. Um, Candace, we got to talk about. We need to talk about Candace. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, so yeah. We'll, we'll, but finish what you're okay. saying, and then we'll talk. And then I, I saw like the very <laughs> first season they put on American streaming, but I don't know which real season that is. It did. It did appear to me that the show evolved a bit. Over that time, because I, I do understand that the that one with Andrew and Benjamina and so on, that's a later season, I think. Yeah. And it seemed to me there was a little bit more competition. The pace was tightened a bit more because the early seasons were very languid. Like yeah. you would just like be casually, they'd be talking and they're baking. And I, it almost felt like the time element wasn't as emphasized as it is in the later seasons. Right. Um, virtually, like the changes are minute. It's, it's essentially the same thing every time. You have Mary telling you some, like worrying about a soggy bottom. You have Paul, you know, telling you that time's a factor. And right. you have Mel and Sue 
doing ridiculous things and then explaining their own jokes. But right. <laughs> that's, my, that's my only thing with them is they'll do something funny and then they'll explain it. It's like, we got it. <laughs> don't explain your own joke, please. But Candace, so that was like, I don't know what series that was, but like Candace. It's one of the more recent series. It's one of the more recent ones. Yeah. What, what are your feelings about Candace? She, she was a very precise baker. I was really into her mm-hmm. and I'm still really into her, but I have news. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, I don't know if y'all pay attention to the tabloid press. I don't, but I feel like Jillian. I do. <laughs> Hold on. The, the baking competitions. Well, perhaps you've heard. That baking smut. Perhaps you've heard about Paul Hollywood and his uh, marriage and his wandering eye. Oh, okay. And, this oh. is news to me. Oh, so we, yeah. have, we have breaking cozy news about <laughs> okay, well, the Great British Baking Show. A few years ago, they brought Paul Hollywood to the United States to do an American version of, of Bake Off. And I didn't even see it. I, I, it may have aired, but I didn't see it. Well, he had a very well-publicized affair with his co-host. And he was ready to apparently leave his wife for her. And she dumped him. Oh. So he went home with his tail between his legs and asked his wife to forgive him. And everything turned out okay, apparently. Well, as of November, he and the wife are actually splitting up. Mm. And now Candace is involved. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. She's been seen stepping out with Mr. Hollywood in British places. Oh. Uh-huh. And now she's on some uh, uh, ice skating, ice dancing reality show over there. And so her profile is, has risen. She's looking real glammy on red carpets and kissing him in public. Oh, no. Yeah. So she got the, bake, she got the cake stand. And she got Paul Hollywood. And she oh got the boy. cake man, yeah. Oh, the cake man. <laughs> she got all the cakes. Yeah. Now. <laughs> wow. There you go. So That's go, a, Candace. I was, you know what, I'm, I'm so glad we got a cake double entendre. Good for Candace. Into this episode. It was really important. <laughs> well, the, the thing about Candace, well, that makes me wonder, like, now I feel sad because... You see, like, in she talks about her boyfriend. Is that her? Was she? Was that her husband or her boyfriend who's crying in that last episode? <laughs> and now I feel so humiliated for him that he has recorded crying and, and, and with joy of her victory. He was, you know, those were happier times for those for those two as a couple. Well, I'm glad. Oh God, little now, did he know. But now people are getting sex with fresh bodies. So <laughs> again, go Candace. You're wow. a winner all the yeah. way around. That's that is. I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm so shook. We're just gonna have to end the podcast here because I can't. I can't go on. Um, well, okay. So you you brought up the American version. Yeah. So let's 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 dive into that briefly. Yeah. So in America, they started like a, a short series called the Great Holiday Baking Show. Yes. And that was hosted by um, Nia Vardalos yep. and her husband. Yeah. And I forget Ian his name. Gomez. Ian Gomez. Gomez. Ian, yeah. Ian Gomez, right? Yes, yes. And, From um, Felicity. That's right. A cozy show in its own right. <laughs> I keep thinking of my life in ruins anyway. So, so, so <laughs> it's not cozy. Anyway, so the they're hosting it. And they're being as Melon Sue as they could possibly try yes, to be. Yes, Um, To various degrees of success. I think it's, they're so stunningly awkward that it kind of works. Yeah. Um. And I believe Mary Berry's back, right? Yes. She, she, yes. And then, so she's there. And then they have the he who shall not be named offender. Right. <laughs> I forget his name. I don't right. even want to remember it. Right. 
who like he was on the the, the two original short holiday baking shows. Yeah, as a judge. As a judge. Yeah. And then he's like he was like a, the American version of Paul Hollywood. Right. But grosser. And then he um they moved on to then it was like it was successful enough that they made the great American baking show. Yep. Which ended in scandal. They this filmed season, the whole yeah. thing this season. It was pulled from Hulu. They only aired one or two episodes. Right. And because of um, allegations of sexual misconduct on the part of that judge. Not on the show. Not on the show. In no. his own In his own life. Yeah, in his own restaurants. Yeah. And, um, Johnny something. Sadly, I like... I his name, actually. You know, the, the, the winner... It makes me feel... I feel so terrible for not only the, the victims of him, but also for right. all these bakers and people who make that show that never now right. gets to never be seen. I yep. hope, like... I don't know. I hope there's a way that they can maybe blur out his face... <laughs> <laughs> like, I, <laughs> like, do you, like <laughs> just like put someone else's face on his face? Just, just like clone. Put put, Ma- put two Mary Berries on there. Like <laughs> digitally transpose. Like the, the the way they do on stunt doubles, transpose her face on his exactly. body. Yeah. It'll be delightful. Yeah. Um. So just just, just so we can see the season. Um. Because. It really is the same show, and mm-hmm. they do a good job of just replicating it. Um, it's a little bit more. Um, we'll get Justin Thoreau's face. Yeah, this guy looked kind of like a dirtbag Justin Thoreau. Anyway. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so that is the but the, the the show isn't canceled. It's just that they are they. I hope not. Yeah, I hope they just mm-hmm. find a new uh, a new person. It's become a holiday tradition for me to watch that. Yeah. when I'm home. Same here. I learned how to make something really lovely from the first uh, year they did it as the Great Holiday mm-hmm. uh, shows. This cranberry pastry mm. with a peppermint glaze, and uh, you know it's a, it's a bread, so you have to like mm-hmm. make it like bread and let it rise and all that stuff, and then like roll it out, put the cranberry yeah. jam in it. I made that on Christmas morning two years ago, um, and it, I, we still talk about it. Nice. It was so delicious. But I learned that from that show. Yeah. Who's, whose recipe was that? Uh, Mary's. Mary's. Yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Mary Berry is delightful. She is. Yeah. She is. She's like the grandma that you want. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's a cozy name, Mary Berry. It really, really, it's all in the name. It is, all, <laughs> it is also a cozy name. Yeah. yeah. Correct. <laughs> so, like, are there any bakes that stand out to you? Like, obviously, you, you took that recipe... Right. Either like that were challenging, that were like you you were stunned by, or that you have now used in your practice. Most of the time, the things they make are too complicated for me. I see them, I see the finished products and I think, y'all are amateur bakers? Because y'all run circles around me. I'm mm. a complete failure compared to yeah, you I think guys. amateur bakers a loose term for the show <laughs> yeah yeah amateur in that you don't make your living doing it but you're mm-hmm. you know the greatest person in the county <laughs> so that, that that's I mean and I think that's good for the show because it's sort of aspirational where you watch what they're doing and you and you, you hope maybe you could try it too. Mm-hmm. And one of the lovely things about the show is that the recipes for what they have done are all on the, the website. Mm-hmm. And so you could go try it yourself. Uh, but yeah, that's the, the, the things that stand out to me are the things that, that uh, wind up being very breakfasty. Yeah. I love uh, when they make savory pastries. I do like savory pastries. I, I eat them, but I tend not to make them because everyone I know wants to just 
shove sugar in their face all day. <laughs> um, so that cranberry pastry was one. I think they called it something really unappealing, like cranberry loaf. <laughs> like, that sounds like pimento cheese loaf to me. It's just, but it was really beautiful, you know. And they shaped it into a candy cane, which uh-huh. I did, I did yeah. not do because I'm, that's well, that's a lot. Come on, Dave. For a disaster. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, and you got to shape into a candy cane. Yeah. Well, hmm, <laughs> I did try and didn't. It didn't. I could feel it breaking up on me, so I just straightened it back out. Um, there are two, at least two, uh, since we just finished Christmas, I can still talk about this comfortably, I think. They just they have aired at least two Christmas baking master classes uh, with Paul and Mary. Oh, oh, there you go. And there was this mince pie based thing that Paul made that I thought I should try that. And then I didn't do it because I just make little mince pies standard issue, you know, myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it, it was a more elaborate version where you sort of like put them all together and made a pile or a tower or whatever they were. And so that's, it's quite often the presentational aspect of what they do is beyond my abilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like when they make a gingerbread house and it's like, oh, this is the hospital that I work in, but I made it out of gingerbread. <laughs> and I think, no, like, I'm not, I'm not trying that. Yeah. That's too much. Yeah, it's all usually very intricate. Yeah. Although that also reminds me, I love the sketches they show b- before, like while, while the judges are talking to the bakers about what they're about to make. Oh, yeah, yeah. They'll flash up like an artist's rendering uh-huh. of what it'll be. And they're the most beautiful little sketches. They are. Both for the American version and this and the, the British version. I want to know who does those sketches. Me too. I want, I, I, <laughs> I want one just to I hang in. I saw on Wikipedia <laughs> when I was researching this show. I don't remember his name. John something? Mm. Yeah, well, they're, 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 they're really... Nicely. Yeah, they're, to me, they're like half the appeal of the show are those mm-hmm. sketches. And they stand out because if you watch any amount of other like food shows... They do sketches too, and they look like compared to those drawings. Right. They look like a, like a child, like with crayons, like, was like, "Look, I made a turkey out of my right." Hand. That's, yeah. that's what it looks like, <laughs> especially with cake wars. The cake war sketches mm-hmm. are so horrendously drawn, <laughs> and then, but I can't blame them because then you look at the final cake war product, and that is so horrendous itself. Right. Like cake wars produces the ugliest case really ugly like like yeah. no one would ever want to especially the halloween ones right no one wants to eat that mm-hmm. <laughs> and they also like there's there's absolutely no attention to taste right it's all just like how much fondant can we cram in to right. make this support structure work yeah and there's no and now i'm just cake war ranting but there's like everything's out of proportion like it's really they're very talented at what they do but it doesn't come together at all. It just looks like a mess. So I, I everything is beautiful in uh, the baking show. That's true. And mm-hmm. I, I, I was just going to say, just rant about Cake Wars all you want. I'm in <laughs> full agreement with you. Um, it, it becomes about architecture yeah. on that show and not about, does this look delicious? No, it looks like, you know, it looks like you made the Empire State Building. Yeah. Out of cake and fondant, which, by the way, fondant is good for making things stick together. 
But it doesn't taste good. Right. Mm-hmm. I know this from experience when I actually rolled out fondant and wrapped a cake in it once. And it was our wedding cake. As a matter of fact, I made it myself. Oh. And oh, nice. it, um, you know, people ate the cake. It was raspberry. It had raspberry filling. But they were leaving the fondant on the side of the plate because it's just, it's like a little... It's like wallpaper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not. It's not for putting in your mouth. Yeah, and that's cake wars. Yeah, yeah. So boo cake wars, yay! British Correct. Bake Off. You're absolutely right. Um, I feel like uh, there's got to be more to the baking show that I'm not mentioning. Is there anything else you want to discuss about the show, or or baking in general? I want to talk about Bin Gate. Did we watch Bin Gate? Oh, is that someone threw away a? <laughs> um, like, wasn't something in a freezer and they oh, threw it out? Oh, I read about One that. One of the guys yeah. made a baked Alaska and it fell apart because his ice cream wasn't frozen enough. Mm-hmm. And he, in a show of emotion, previously unseen <laughs> on this show, he threw it in the trash can, which they call bins over there. Put it in the bin, that's what they'll say. And um, because of the, the way the episode was edited, it looked like, although it was not the case, that one of the other contestants had taken his mm-hmm. ice cream out of the freezer and sort of sabotaged him. But that it, it, the, the other contestant just was taking his ice cream out to rearrange something. It was out for like a minute. So it had nothing to do with mm-hmm. that. But it looked like it. And the internet went crazy. Yeah, I read that the BBC got... The most so complaints many, that the ever more got. complaints wow. than anything. Yeah, that's yeah. Ever, yeah. And it became known as Bin Gate. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. So I was, I've all just the. Effect. It was front page news. Yeah. That's why. Well, <laughs> apparently people take that show very seriously over there because they it's, a, it's affected society over there. Now they have like bake offs. Right. And they have spin off shows. Yeah. All these crazy things. So. The Great British mm-hmm. Sewing Bee. Yeah. It's just wild how much of an impact the show's had on yeah. the culture over there. So. It's mostly had an impact on the culture of my friends mm-hmm. over here. All of my non-baking friends were like, I want to bake. I'm like, don't try it. <laughs> You'll be, it's a world of disappointment. But even in small ways, I feel like that, that show has positively influenced my own baking. I bake very rarely. I bake um, a pre-mixed pound cake right. right, for my lamb cake on Easter. Yeah. I bake cookies for Christmas. Um, and I bake, this is not real baking really, but I, I bake an artichoke dip. <laughs> that counts. It's, and what I've learned is to bake things all the way through from that show, because especially the cookies that I made for Christmas, and it's just like we put them in because the recipe says 12 minutes. And so like I used to just like just obey whatever the recipe said as if that mattered more than my own eyes. And now I just trust, does it look right? And yep. so I'm actually like, because of the show, I'm like, why are they always looking at their baked goods in the mm-hmm. oven, like leaning, kneeling down? I realize like, you kind of need to do that. You have to not, do that. Not for the whole time, but like once it's about right. time. And I'd be like, oh no, this doesn't look right. Like the brown's not good on the bottom. And you have to like, I, I would now, now when I make those cookies, I can actually open them up and see there's no raw dough in the middle. I know, right. I know what that looks like now. Right. So I think it's positively influenced my baking and I'm sure the baking of, Hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. <laughs> I, I will say that the quality of, of the contestants who are extremely attentive to what they do, it does help you 
if you're if you are watching that show and then going into the kitchen and baking your own stuff, if there's a lesson to be learned from it, it is you have to pay attention. It is a it is a it is an activity that forces you to focus mm-hmm. on what you're doing and nothing else. Mm-hmm. You can't get distracted. You can't go off and do something else. You can't go out. You know. You can't leave the house. It keeps you there. You can't do anything but pay attention to the thing you're you're working on. Yeah. And you're right about the recipe situation because I am a devout follower of recipes. I don't I don't uh throw in, you know, substitute ingredients. I don't do anything, but my oven is really old. I have an oven that is about 70 years old. It's an old gas oven. You like to watch those black and white movies on TCM and the people have those old timey ovens. Mm-hmm. That's the kind. Of oh, wow. And so um, it came with the apartment. And so uh, it runs hot. And I have to be very mindful of that and make sure I've got the temperature down about 25 degrees less than the recipe. I About two thirds of the baking time is when I start peaking. Mm-hmm. Checking because what the recipe is telling me is a, an opportunity for for burning and disaster or dry things. You know, you, you have to know your own oven. It's right. essential, and and you only know, you only know that stuff by doing it mm-hmm. again and again and again and again. So I bake like every week. I'm baking something all the time. Yeah, and so that's and the only way you get better or even get to the place where I am, which is fine. Like, I'm okay. Like, the cupcakes I brought you guys today, I think they're okay. Oh. I think they're pretty good. They're good. I've no, they're they're very good. I've made better, but I think they're pretty good. They're very good. And that's good. because I've done it a lot. And so I know that I know from my own history that I've made way worse than the ones I brought you today. And I've also made better than the ones I brought you today. So, and the only way you get to that place is just keep doing it again and again and again. Yeah. I think what's so uh, particularly cozy about baking is that it's it's made for sharing versus right. like I think cooking is very much like I'm making this for me and whoever I'm ha- having over for dinner. Mm-hmm. Something about baked goods, there's just you can't eat it yourself. It's just too much. You have to share it right. and that kind of it's like a, the most generous form of of uh, food preparation. Yeah. <laughs> I um, agree. Yeah. Yeah, I want I want my friends to come over and eat the stuff I baked. Or if, I, if I've cooked Sunday dinner, like we have friends come over every Sunday night for Sunday dinner. Um, and we sit around and watch TV and eat dinner. Exactly. Uh, yeah. But I want, I want my friends to come over and eat the stuff I, I baked. You know, I, well, I have some friends who live in the neighborhood who are walking distance from me. And they'll text me and they'll be like, mm-hmm. what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm baking this thing, so you need to be here in an hour and come get it, come eat some of this. And that is a very, very pleasurable activity for me. Cause I like making people happy with food. Mm-hmm. I like to give people food and make them happy. Yeah. And so the coziness of that is you get to feel like you're contributing to someone's well being. I mean, you make, you make basically you're just making them fatter, but it's that's cool too. <laughs> Everybody could stand a little extra layer of butter on them, I think. So, especially in Los Angeles. Oh yeah, I guess it's time to wind down. We 
First, we're going to begin with our celebrities that calm us. Will we pick today uh, <laughs> celebrities that calm us? <laughs> I'm going to go really straightforward and just have like it's I. There's no better opportunity than right now to say that a celebrity that calms me is Mary Berry. Yeah, right. She's a grandma. The name. Period. There's like just nothing cozier. I mean, at first I was kind of intimidated by her when I first started watching the show because she really knows her stuff. She's not too. She's not like treacly sweet in any way, shape, or form. She's just sort of like, you know, stern and straightforward. But when you please her, it really means something because of that. And so, um, also just like she's a baker, and what's cozier than being a baker? That's so. true. I, I really mean to get one of her uh, cookbooks eventually. Be a nice gift. I love yeah. them. Um, I, need, I need the Mary Berry collection. If any listener would like <laughs> to, to, to send me all of Mary Berry's cookbooks. Get my the dresses. Amazon wishlist. Exactly. Um, so that's my celebrity that calms me this week. Jillian, who is it for um, you? Mine is, I have a friend's name, right? Uh, Lisa Kudrow. Yeah, because yeah. mm-hmm. the comeback, I just that always makes me feel cozy watching that show. It's just funny and just an, an easy watch. Um, she's she's so talented, and she just seems like a overall good good person. Good, she's a good actress. I like her work, and you never have any uh, surprises from her. Right. I, I don't like celebrities like you know keep me on my toes. I just want someone who's stable. You know, expect the same from them. No shocking twists and turns. So she's one of those. I almost said Emma Thompson. Because as an actress, mm-hmm. she always makes me feel mm-hmm. good. And, and, and like her characters are grounded in a solid place. Yeah. They are. They're, they're always very real. But at the last minute, I thought of a different person who is not really a celebrity, but is out in the world making culture. And who makes me feel great every time. There is a singer-songwriter, and this is really out of character for me because I tend to listen to lots of really brutal, uh, noisy punk rock and metal. But I love a singer-songwriter named Sam Phillips, and I don't know if you guys know who no, she is. I no, I haven't. If you've ever watched Gilmore Girls... Have. Then you know the strum strum la la. Yeah. yeah. That's Sam oh, okay. Phillips. Okay. okay. I'm, so I'm sold. She's been around since the 80s. And back in the 80s, she was a contemporary Christian singer. Mm. They signed her when she was 18, and they were going to turn her into the into the Christian Cindy Lauper because oh. they had they had they already had Amy Grant, right? But after about three albums, she was like, uh-oh, this is not working well for me. Like I don't like being here, yeah. and this 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 world is oppressive, mm-hmm. and so she comes from the church, but she immediately like bailed on okay. it in the late eighties, and uh, and since the late eighties has been releasing albums uh, that are warm and mature and smart mm-hmm. and comforting. Uh, even if always, even if the subject matter isn't always uh, comforting, um, it's not Christian music. It's it's music, <laughs> and so. Um, but she has. I've seen her perform live a few times here at Largo. Because um, she's part she, of that. Does she live in L.A.? Yeah, she's part of that whole Largo world of, of musicians, and um, 
and she is uh, comforting and smart and good. And I, if I listen to her music, it makes me feel like the world is okay. Mm-hmm. Or at least I'm going to be okay, <laughs> even if the world's not okay. Um, anyway, her name is Sam Phillips. She's terrific. You should try listening to her sometime if, you, if you're hearing this podcast and you've never heard of her before. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to start listening. I recommend I, I, a, a CD called A Boot and a Shoe. That's the, that's, that's the one I like the best. All you had to say were, was Gilmore Girls yeah. and La La, and I was yeah, down. Yeah. That's her. Yeah. She's been, the, she's been Amy Sherman Palladino's music person for Gilmore Girls, for Bunheads, for now uh, Mrs. Maisel, mm-hmm. marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yeah. Awesome. Good, good note. That, that is a solid pick. Thank yeah. you. Which brings us now to our candle review. So <laughs> this is the whole reason I'm here. <laughs> so Dave, um, we have beef. We have beef Yankee about candle. Yankee Candle. Oh, yeah. So it's beef we haven't even hashed out yet. No, in person. So let's do it. <laughs> um, it really was my gateway into scented candles. Yeah, Be- not because of the candles, but because of their really cute, uh, like luminaries. They're like the right. whatever you can buy. Particularly for, I mean, I, I was addicted with from Bony Bunch figurines, so like their Halloween stuff, and then their Christmas stuff is mostly cute. And from there, I was like, well, I have to put something in these. I may as well buy one of these little candles. Right. And I got hooked on scented candles from there, where it's like, I can light a candle, and not only does it look pretty, but now my whole room smells like something nice. Right. Like, this is enjoyable. Even if it's like sending weird chemicals into my lungs, but <laughs> the, <laughs> um, and so like I have a soft like I, I just I don't know I, I have a soft spot for Yankee because I feel like a lot of their scents are cloying and fakey, but when they do it right, they do it really right, and they I think we have to, them to credit for the popularity of scented candles in America. Oh, absolutely, yeah. No, they deserve that credit. Yeah, my my personal situation. I, your nose is like your tongue. What tastes good or smells good to you is vastly different than what tastes good or smells good to someone else. That's true. Like in listening to this podcast, since you started it, what I have come to learn about you, Matt, is oh. that you hate citrusy smells. <laughs> yeah, candle. that's true. I love citrusy smells oh. in a candle. Well, I have a blood orange candle for you. Yeah, you're taking home with take you. it off Mrs. Meyer's <laughs> candles that you can get at Target. That one. The lemon verbena one is one of my favorite ones. Um, you like clean smells. Though. I like mm-hmm. I like a clean citrusy yeah, smell. Yeah, that's what's... That's um, and so, but getting to Yankee, um, something about literally every single Yankee candle that has ever crossed my nose's path makes me feel like Julianne Moore in safe. I feel like I'm going to pass out on the dry cleaner <laughs> floor. There is this bizarre, harsh, chemical feeling that that I get when I smell any Yankee candle. I've been inside a Yankee candle shop in malls just to see mm-hmm. if I could deal. Mm-hmm. And I can't. And I don't know what it is. But it has given me a sort of hatred of Yankee Candles because I think I feel like I'm being attacked by them because they don't they don't agree with my nose yeah, at all. It doesn't matter if it's a choir. citrusy one or a vanilla one like the one we have in this mm-hmm. room right now or any any kind. I don't know what 
if there's a common ingredient that mm-hmm. my body hates, Maybe. I don't know what it is. But when I walk past a Yankee Candle shop, or if there's a Yankee Candle in a room, I know it. Yeah, well, yeah. not for you. And so <laughs> when you all started talking about Yankee Candles so much on the show, I thought, ugh, Yankee Candles, gross. <laughs> and so that became a conversation with me and Alonzo. And... uh so yes, now we have squashed. And this the is bee. a Yankee. Is this a Yankee? I'm, no, it's not. Oh, I, I, I like the explanation of it just being a different palate. I, I think, think that's, I think that's what it is. I think that's accurate. I think that even, has to be what it is because they wouldn't be so popular, right. If they were truly disgusting. Yeah. T- to be fair, too, I am I am very picky about my Yankee candles. Yeah. Like I really only like scents from their like if I guess botanical line, and I don't mean flower, but I mean like musky tree odors right right <laughs> i love that musky tree odor candle mm-hmm. um and then or their their food smells are really powerful i think because they amp yeah. them up so much yeah it really does smell like something's baking right so i like those i i will let you not enjoy <laughs> that that's fine you don't I'll have to enjoy something about my me. weird nose have you ever smelled any of the comme de garçon candles yeah they're bizarre yeah and i love them and they smell like burning appliances sometimes. Right. Yeah. And and who knows why? Then you should go to Marshalls they because have, or Marshalls they, or uh, Home yeah. Goods. <laughs> who knows why that appeals to me? But it does. And they're expensive too. Like I can't even afford them. Those are hundred dollar candles. Oh um, god. I mean, yeah, it's it, the, it is crazy how much certain candles can be. Like I went yeah. to a uh, an anthropology last night, mm-hmm. and oh, I was like, I was hoping they'd have a sale. It's like I'm not spending. <laughs> I'm not spending twenty dollars yeah, on this candle. They really have sales. <laughs> they smell fine, but nothing's worked. Like it's just like it's. I like their pumpkin The only candle souffle. that's ever been worth that has been Alonzo's candle. That, and so, oh man, that, that that's a very rich candle. That Ralph Lauren holiday candle yeah. is worth the yeah, money. Yeah, definitely. I really yeah. love that one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but then on the other hand, I guess it is worth it because then you go into a Marshalls or a Home Goods store and you get all the reject candles and you're smelling them like this smells like somebody. Farted into this candle and put the lid back on. I've it smells. I've like. had that experience, but I have some that may give me headaches. Uh, I can get I get yeah. a lot of headaches from a bad smelling candle. Um, so let's talk about the candle at hand. This is a Bath and Body Works Vanilla Bean Noel candle. Um, so this is it is a Christmassy candle. I'm sorry, but it was obtained through a gift exchange. Valid and January yeah. is just post Christmas, right? Exactly. exactly. This is a post Christmas candle. No. I got. What do we think? What, what what are our notes for this candle? It's kind of basic to me not to... It's just mm-hmm. a, your typical vanilla smell. It's nothing super special. It is an inoffensive vanilla yeah, candle. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it has a nice, gentle, soft quality. Very gentle. That doesn't overpower the room. Pardon me. Doesn't overpower the room. Um, but it has enough of a... Throw mm-hmm. a, a, word I, <laughs> a word I learned from you guys uh, to to fill the space, and it's got three wicks, and it's got three wicks. There oh. you go. I like a three wick. Candle. It is. It's, this yeah. is what I like about this candle. It's bright because yeah. of the three wicks and the and the white wax. I I burned this last night a little early. I I couldn't help myself. I cheated and burned it for myself. It's very bright. Very I'm really, I've been really into white wax candles lately, just because of the yeah. the quality of light that they mm-hmm. give off. And um, it is like, I think you both hit the nail on the head. It is a vanilla candle. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, like, just your it's average. A, in every way, shape, and form, it is average. Yeah. It is like, 
It is. I don't really get how it's. I don't get the Noel quality. I'm not getting any kind of Christmassy they vibe just, from it. They just put that word on it. Yeah. I think it has a <laughs> snowflake imprint. In oh, it's like be, the lid has a snowflake on that it. That could so. be a vanilla candle for any. Yeah, time of any, the year. yeah. It's just a vanilla put candle. Put that Tracy Chapman record on. And right. you got, you're good to go. Yeah, yeah. So I think I'm a a no wicker just because it's not special. A no wicker. Well, just it's not special. Jillian, maybe you came into 2018 harsh. Well, just a, a half a half wick maybe because it's just not. What's special. the most? You don't have to change wicks? for me, but I, I just I'm I'm shocked. No. What's the most number of wicks we give? Three, because three. three of us. We each we each have yeah, one wick. A wick to give. This is a wick and a half. Yeah, this is a good wick and a half candle. Yeah, so yeah. I'll, I'll give it. I'll, so you're gonna give it a a, a half wick or a wick? One point five wicks. One point five. I think let's just yeah. like I think the final yeah. rating <laughs> one point five wick. Yeah, it's an it's an wick. average. I have a, my favorite vanilla candle, but it's a real expensive one. Um, uh, Artisan perfumer, they're like a fancy high end candle. Huh. They Lots have of notes. I have to take. They have uh, they have a, a vanilla mm-hmm. candle that is. Staggeringly, like rich and beautiful, it, and it'll fill the room like that Ralph Lauren one did. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's like seventy five dollars, and it's just crazy. Yeah, I know Alonzo won't let you have that because he's very anti vanilla candle. He's gone on the record. Yeah, he doesn't like vanilla candles. So <laughs> if I do get a nice vanilla candle in the house, I, I, I don't, you know, yeah, I don't burn it when he's around. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't get to enjoy it. I like the woody ones too. Oh, woody! Yeah, those are those are great. Um, and a friend uh, gave us a gift uh, from a new candle company that I've never heard of before. But uh, they op- they they have them at opening ceremony, which is another oh, ex- fancy another expensive yes. place. Yeah, Too rich for my book. and um, the name of the candle it's a mahogany and sandalwood scented candle, and the name of this candle is the woody scent of daddy's office. Oh my God. <laughs> we have to review that candle. I don't know. I'm ordering that right cozy. now. Oh my God. I don't know about that. That's like, that's the candle version of secretary. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. So let's, let's, let's end the podcast here. So, Dave, thank, thank you, you so, much so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I'm so excited it. that I got to be here. I'm so happy it's that really I got to ca- do this show. I really we're, appreciate we're, every we're time. We're very happy yeah, that you joined us. Yeah, I know you us. have so much to do and podcasts to we go on. Of, we're, but, doing, we're going home right now you know, and making but another I, podcast. I appreci- yeah, that's why I appreciate <laughs> yeah. it so much every time you guys come on. And, uh, so where can people find you when they want more, more Dave? Linoleum Knife, a podcast of the cinema that I co-host with my husband, Alonso Duralde. We are both film critics. He's the he's the reviews editor for the rap. I write for the rap sometimes. I've written for a bunch of other places about film. Um, and like you can find me on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram too. It's always the same. <laughs> D Leland White. My middle name is Leland L E L A N D. Simple so if to you, remember. If you want to find that, I haven't been on social media for about three months because I got two overwhelmed by the mm-hmm. world this past fall and I just thought you know what I'm leaving I'm getting lost I'm getting lost and I'm gonna hide from all of y'all well maybe we can get you back this I'm year I'm sort of sort of tentatively coming back maybe I don't know yeah dip it's your like, feet I, 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 it's 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 been a very uh uh nice experience being away from it for a while taking, yeah taking that break it's important although you know what happens when you do that people come to you and they say are you okay 
Like they they want to they want to make sure you're fine, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, I haven't posted since August, so yeah. I just <laughs> so they you might know. look. People might not know me. Might think I'm dead or something. <laughs> Assume she hasn't posted. She might not be alive. Who knows? <laughs> Jillian's not dead. We can't confirm. Um, yes. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you, Dave. Go listen to Linoleum Knife. It is a wonderful podcast. The their movie reviews are wonderful, but even better than the movie reviews are the. Just the rambling discussions about baking that leak into the conversation <laughs> about their day. The the it drives the as many timers that go away on. as it draws in. No, I think it's so, really yeah. cozy because <laughs> it feels really. It's like you're in your apartment with you. And we are. So <laughs> highly, you, you are. <laughs> you are in our apartment with us. I, I highly recommend that podcast. Yeah, and so you can find us on um, all things cozy podcast. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Facebook, we need some more love, so like us there. Uh, join the Facebook group. We love that little community. So, um, yeah, so yeah, Instagram, you oh, already said that. Yeah. And then please um, review us on iTunes. And yeah, also write a review. Give us some stars. Give yeah. them Help. five. Aww. And then yeah, Listen, people will find us. I'm telling you it's people listening sweet. to this show right now. Don't waste anybody's time with a four-star review. Five stars are what they need. You you go do it. And it's 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 it literally helps their algorithm on iTunes. I know this from experience. And if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it. If you only have four stars to give, bump it up one. Thank you. There Thank you, you Dave. Go. Thank you. Do what Dave said. Yes. And as always, stay cozy. Stay cozy.